your host, Carmilla, and this is Cat Scratch Radio, a horror podcast. Welcome to Cat Scratch Radio. Today we have horror author Josh Hill with his debut novel, Forever Fields, coming out from Wicked House Publishing in March, here to talk about religion used in horror. How are you doing today, Josh? Uh, So far, I'm doing awesome. This is a big privilege to be here, and thank you for the opportunity. Absolutely. I love having you here. So go ahead and just act like you are educating me on religion and horror. Just pretend I know nothing. That way we cover all the topics. I mean, I'm I'm sure you know more than me, but I'll pretend. Um, (laughs) All right. So um, religion and horror has been around since, well, horror began. Um, Like it was a big, big aspect in Bram Stoker's Dracula took took a large part in uh, the very first, you know, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. It was uh, the Divine Comedy that taught you know the monster, you know, what humanity was about. So it's been with us since the beginning, and it's pretty much been with us very steadily and almost, almost always um, ever present in modern horror. Yeah, uh, I I definitely agree with that. And we see a lot of it still used today, like Midnight Mass from uh, Mike Flanagan's work. Oh, yeah. And I plan to talk a lot about Midnight Mass, not because just not just because I'm a huge fan. But to me, I think that it might be the most perfect use of horror and the most perfect use of religion in horror, in my opinion, because it cover so many aspects but i'll definitely get to that later because i love to talk about it so let's talk about the use of religion and horror right and i i know this is one of the three forbidden topics um which is why i wanted to talk about it because if anything's forbidden you know, yeah that, that means it should be talking talked about um yes and so we're not talking about religion in real life we're not talking about the pros of cons of being religious we're just talking about the use of of religion in horror um so whatever personal beliefs you know set them aside we're just talking about the literary aspect of it um and also we need to make a distinction between you know real world religions and made up religions like in a fantasy book um you know how you use the two are, are very different and need to be handled different but since this is mostly since I since I'm a horror author and we're talking about horror. Horror usually takes place, you know, in roughly the real world, just with horror elements. That's not always the case because there's dark fantasy and stuff. But, but for our purposes, we're going to stick to you know real world, real religions for this discussion. Awesome. Um, let's see. Um, well, why should we have religion and horror? Um, like we talked about, there's a long history of of the use of it in in horror, going back to the very beginning. Um, but also how it's how it's used is also very different. It's gone from you know religious uh, uh, aspects usually being you know good in nature, and usually the heroes are, are religious. To a lot of the modern horror, you know, a lot of religious people are usually the villains, or or at least have you know. I guess negative like aspects into the story mm-hmm. um you know so we, we, and even in modern horror we, we see a lot of it go either way like in the exorcist uh the the protagonists are 
Catholic priest, you know, they're, they're the heroes, they're expelling the demons. Or we see like in Stephen King's uh, The Mist, uh, the the religious people are are clearly the villains, even more so than the monsters outside outside the, the glass windows. Um, so it can go either way, and it can be everything in between, like we'll see in Mike Flanagan's uh, Midnight Mass. We have all aspects. Now, how it should be used, whether the whether the religious character is the villain or the hero, it completely depends on, on your story and what's called, what's called for. Uh, who, what is it? A monster? Is it like a vampire? Is there a religious? Uh, is there is there a religious origin to the monster, or is the character you know fighting a used religion? You know, horror has done all of these in so many different aspects in so many different ways. Um, Let's see. Um, but we, what, one thing we need to uh, take into account is our personal biases. Uh, whether you're you're pro or or for, or whether you're against religion, it doesn't matter. Take your religious biases out of the way and f- do what's good for the story and what's good for the character. Um, like being ham-fisted can be applied to both sides. Like you get the Left Behind series which are super ham-fisted uh, pro-religion where every non-religious person is might as well be the son of Satan and all the religious people are super good and can't do any wrong. And then you have, I guess, the opposite side of that coin. Like Stephen King, I, I love his books, but he he does this a lot. Most of his religious characters are usually the villain. But like in The, in the Mist, like, like I already mentioned, all the religious people are pretty much borderline evil human sacrificing cultists you know just because they're religious you know so it could go either way but let's let's be good authors let's find the nuance let's find the middle ground let's find what's good for the story what's good for the characters and what people can relate to and what's realistic i like that you bring that up because um i don't know if you're familiar with brandon sanderson the fantasy author Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he does. Uh, he works for. Um, oh gosh, he works at a university and he does BYU. creative writing. Yeah, BYU. And um, one of the things that he talks about is how, uh, in a lot of literature, when he sees religious characters, they're shown as um, less educated mm-hmm. or or morally bad in some way, instead of like having a authentic character that's well-rounded they have this generic kind of typecast put on them yeah and, and exactly and in full disclosure yep i'm i've read his books i i'm not a big fan of his books but i'm a big fan of him like i admire him his work ethic and he's he's great um he it, brandon sanderson is uh is lds he's uh, right. a, a mormon and in all in full disclosure i am too but I try really hard not to bring those biases into the story because if my character's not of my religion, I can't have them thinking or believing the same thing I am. It's like so I have to put myself into other people's shoes. And and I know Brandon Sanderson does that too, because he is a great he's a great author. It's just not my cup of tea. I'm actually fascinated by Brandon Sanderson's work because he really stretches outside of um, the scope of being LDS because I, I grew up Mormon and oh, okay. uh, uh, so I know quite a bit about it and um, 
I I like that he stretches his diversity in his books and mm-hmm. in the um wax and or what is this Wayne and and I it's the they're the Miss Mistborn series oh, the but they're right. but they're his um steampunk version right and mm-hmm. um he has like a non-binary character and he questions like sexuality in it and I, I like that he pushes those borders and uh i like that he doesn't demonize things that would be like horrific because the non-binary character is like a, a scary ass shape shifter <laughs> right so, and and that's why he appeals to so many people is because he can step out of of his personal beliefs or biases and mm-hmm. and reach to a larger audience like he he has that I guess natural empathy that he can do that. Um, in my book of Forever Fields, um, like both of the both the main characters are gay, and I show them that like they are the heroes. They're intelligent. They're confident. Um, and one of the re- one of the reasons, one of many reasons why I made that is because when I was in the military, I worked uh, with women who were gay. And they had, and this was a time of don't, don't ask, don't, don't tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so they couldn't be themselves, but here they are, you know, serving the country. They're being honorable, being heroic. They're strong, intelligent people, but they couldn't show people who they were. So in, in my works, I wanted to show that, yes, they can be the heroes. They are the heroes. And I, I wanted to give them some limelight since they couldn't, you know, in their real life. I love that. Right, and, and if I can do a small part to move that needle to understanding and, and acceptance and love, then I'm going to do it. And I, I like that. The, the fact that you could step out of that and not look at it from, well, my religion believes this perspective, so I'm going to write this, is honestly an attest to yourself as a writer. I, I'm I'm hoping that, hoping that comes out and... You know, I know there's going to be people who aren't going to read it because there's gay characters. You know, that that's their problem, not mine. <laughs> Definitely their problem. <laughs> <laughs> that's their problem. Um, I I try to make realistic and believable characters who are nuanced. Like, because one of the characters, because the book takes place in the 1920s, um, and the, one of the reasons why I wanted to write uh, gay characters in the 1920s is because I wanted that feeling of isolation. But as I did my research in the 1920s that concept of gay and straight didn't really exist how it does today. Um, so I learned a lot that people were actually a lot more accepting overall of, of the concept of you know, non-binary and, and gay and back then. Mm-hmm. And so I tried to put myself into the shoes of somebody who was gay, who was a member of the LDS church in the 1920s um, in rural, you know, Utah. So it was, it took a lot of, a lot of research, um, and a lot of understanding that I, I, I hope I'm just really hoping that that comes out in the work because I really try to do it justice. Yeah, uh, but we should probably get more into the horror aspect here. How does them being gay have any like bearing on the, the horror level of anything in the story? Um, well, yes, because um, the, the main villain tries to use their love against each other and and sometimes in horrific ways uh tries to use one of their religious beliefs and tries to twist them and you know use them for its own evil purposes um while 
they you know try to stick to, to their beliefs or while their beliefs might change through the course of the book um so yeah it's it's used just used as a weapon from the villain to try to change them for for its evil purposes that is very cool i like yeah, that you, you developed it that way tries to use something pure and good you know love and or religion and tries to make it you know, turn it evil very cool and we actually we actually see that in you know, a lot of other horrors like where you might have a good character but you know the main purpose is to change them into something else whether physically you know or emotionally like wolfman or something yeah, uh, James Scott Bell, he's a author and he also does craft books uh, where he writes about writing. Uh, talk, he talks about how every story is about a death and he doesn't mean a literal death. It could mean a literal death, but it's about like the death of a job, the death of, you know, losing some, a partner or and like the death of losing your faith, stuff like that. And he, so um the conflict there is like that major change in your life. Oh yeah, and in conflict is, is so important. It's, it's, and I think like especially in, in horror, you have to have conflict. It doesn't have to be, you know, a physical conflict, but an emotional conflict, you know, mm -hmm. dealing with your religion in in the in the view of what's going on, of these horrific things that I'm sure the author is throwing at them. You know how does the character change the character has to change mm -hmm. and, and if you can and if you as an author write a religious or non-religious person always in one certain way well like uh, brandon sanderson what you were saying like if you only write them as, as idiots or evil or something then you know that that's your personal biases coming through and try to be a little more nuanced try to Try to be, you know, real. Yeah, Have definitely. real people. People, people are complicated. Yeah, I think people, like you said, they're nuanced, and the best way to make a complex character is going to be to have those nuances. Which is why, um, unpopular opinion. A lot of my uh, progressive friends probably won't like hearing me say this. But I think that it's okay to have like homophobic or racist characters because that exists in real life. And, and I also think it's okay to have, in um, one of the books that I have on submission right now with my agent, um, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a dark fantasy horror and the main character is a religious fanatic, but like he's not homophobic. And so I try to implement that, but there are people that they come into contact with that are homophobic. And I think that having that nuance, like showing that somebody can be hyper-religious and not terrible in that way, having that mm -hmm. nu nuance to it, I think makes the character feel more whole. And I, I think it makes a much more complex character because, like the best villains, you know, the, the villains, like as the saying goes, always think they're the hero of their story. Mm -hmm. So to be a hero, in their opinion, there has to be some good, even to the worst villains. There has to be some kind of quality that that's not just evil. Otherwise, just have a mustache twirling, pop hat wearing, throwing a, a woman onto a train tracks villain. Right, and those were great for the time period that they came out in, but now uh, I think readers and viewers are looking for something 
more. And that might be why so many people have been complaining about the new movie Thanksgiving. Uh, I have not seen it yet, but I have heard that there's no real rhyme or reason behind it. Mm-hmm. Oh, so. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. I, I, I'm not sure. Um, have, have you seen the movie Krampus? Yes. Yes. See, it's it's a fun kind of goofy horror Christmas movie. It, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's one of my guilty pleasures. But funny enough, it has actually some really nuanced characters in it. It's like you have some really annoying, like ultra conservative, you know, characters. But they're they have their moments that show good qualities through it, and and vice versa. Um, you have some you know people who are super into the, their job and you know are kind of losing the, the the feel of the family but they have their moments where they overcome that and put family first like so there's a lot of nuance to the characters and i appreciate like what they did with that i, I think i actually think it's really pretty good writing i actually really enjoyed that movie quite a bit uh, i thought it was very fun yeah <laughs> Like I said, I, it's a guilty pleasure of mine. I watch it at least you know, a couple times a year. But it's, but I, I really like like the character development, and, and, and I think that's a good example of you know having you know those kind of characters change and overcome, and even if they're not not bad characters, but just annoying, you know, they still have their good qualities, and I think that needs to go you know in horror for the religious or non-religious. Um, like for for example, uh, since we're going to talk about Mike Flanagan a, a lot, Mike Flanagan himself is an atheist. Uh, mm-hmm. He was raised, I, I believe, Catholic, uh, but has since become atheist. But in all of his stories, there's always a religious aspect to it, and he always does it justice. Like like he he presents it in a realistic manner, whether mm-hmm. it's good or bad. Like like he he makes it real. Like these are these could be real people. Those are real complicated beliefs. Yeah, um, I'm a huge Mike Flanagan fan. Um, I, I don't, I'm sure you've watched The Fall of the House of Usher already. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I ate it up. But um, Midnight Mass is definitely, uh, my friend and I like to, to call it a uh, fuck around and find out movie. <laughs> it's a good way to put it, yes. Yeah. It, it for me, it's like it, it's like a, a master's program on how to use religion in horror. It's because it has all the aspects of it, um, like because you have this insular community on as isolated as possible. They're on an island miles mm-hmm. away from everybody, and there's one pretty much just one religion, and the, all characters gravitate around it in some way, whether they're believers or non-believers, but they're all connected. Um, like you have Father Paul. I, I, one thing I love that actor's performance. I want to see him in everything now. Uh, but Father Paul, you know, he's he's obviously religious, you know, but he's also the villain. But he's also so sincere about his beliefs. Like he believes he's he's the hero. He believes he's doing good. He's bringing mm-hmm. salvation and eternal life to the people that he loves, to like all the people. And, and like the path to hell is paved with good intentions. He's he's the prime example of that. Oh, absolutely. 
or we see um, a Riley Flynn, who used to be really religious, but has since lost his faith, while his, uh, uh, what's her name, um, Aaron Green, his, his friend when he was a kid, was not religious, but now has become religious. And so you have th- those two playing off each other. Um, and then you have Bev Keen, the one of the most horrible villains. I mean, she's a great villain, but she's one of the worst villains ever because ever, she is so evil. But she's also the one that professes to be the most religious. And mm-hmm. she uses that religion to gain power and, and, and to take out people she doesn't like. So she's everything bad about religion. Well, yeah, I, there's a lot of really great juxtapose. Well, well the the, uh, the sheriff, Sheriff Hassan, mm. he's a Muslim. He's everything good about religion. Like, he is honest and sincere and only wants to help people. While he's lost his faith in humanity a little bit, he has never lost his faith in his religion. And he uses that as his guidepost. And yeah, so he... In, his performance as well, his his monologue about 9-11 and Osama bin Laden, that whole monologue get, gets me every time. It's beautiful writing, awesome character. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I really love that they brought in other religions too for Midnight Mass. I thought that was really cool. And, and, and I... I was I was in the U.S. Army. I spent years in, in Iraq, you know, fighting terrorism, and and for me to and you know, so a lot of people like was would assume I would have some kind of negative feelings towards towards Muslims, and I absolutely don't because I worked with uh, like our interpreter. I think he's the prime example of what an American should be. Like he came over and. You know, he's trying to build a life. And then when this war started, he realized he has a skill that this country needs. And he put himself out there. And it's like, like he's he is what the American dream is. And he's an amazing human being and one of the finest people I've ever known. You know, he's a Muslim while I was, you know, fighting people who profess to be. And so I, I don't have those kind of feelings against Muslims. So when I see something like Sheriff Hassan presented in Midnight Mass as what it should be and what it and what it is to the majority of them, it's it, it makes me feel great. It's like I love seeing that. Yeah, I, and I do I do think that like obviously there's extremism in every religion, mm-hmm. and zealotry is the problem with most religion and i think that's where we get a lot of these villains that are so like heavily like just evil that are religious because people are just going off of zealots they're not going off of the average religious person exactly it's like you you see that that loud minority and then because they're loud that's what people associate with it mm-hmm. and i think that's why it's used so often in in horror uh, books or or movies is because it People see that in their everyday life, and it bec- it's personal to them. Yeah, it is personal, and I think that, like, I think about it a lot. One of my friends, uh, she's very heavy into the, her faith, and mm-hmm. I nothing wrong with that. Um, I, I personally left the church and haven't gone back. I've explored a lot of 
different out, outliers, but like I went to Salem reach recently and there was a man there protesting Salem and basically um, standing outside of a witch shop and his like Jesus can save you outfit and everything. And I see people like that who think that they're doing good and they're the extremists, but I know that the average person is my friend. So I think that for a lot of people, it would be if they would not think of just, oh, this one minority, loud minority here is everything. It's the same thing with gay people and uh, trans people and stuff that are looking at the, the most negative viewpoint that they can find. And they're deciding that that covers the entire community. It's exactly. Because I, I have... I have a lot of conservative friends, you know, I'm, I'm not, but I, I have a lot of conservative friends and they'd post an, an article of like one extremist and be like, see, that's what they're all like. Like, no, you know, that that's, that's not what it is. That That's a very narrow vision of it. Yeah. That's just one person in a field of thousands, millions. Right. And if you take that into your writing, it's just that super narrow vision everybody else who's outside of that really narrow uh, idea is going to see that and be like, you know, that I'm not like that. So I can't relate to this. And, you know, th th they won't be able to relate to the writing to, or to the author. And it, and that comes across so easily and people see it. It's like, that, that's yeah. not me. Oh yeah. And I think when people write that like hardcore zealot cultist, mm -hmm. like mentality, it comes off almost cartoonish. Right, and, and it's fine to have a character like that, but it's just when you portray all of them like that. Right. That's, that's where it becomes, like you said, cartoonish. I'm going to steal that because I think that's a good word for it. Or like, or like one of my friends says, it's so it's so ham-fisted, you can smell the Hormel from across the room. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Now, there's a lot of good reasons to use horror besides just having you know more nuanced characters but especially if you're writing supernatural horror you have a long history built into your story already that most people already know in some way uh, you have some super evocative imagery you know priests and crosses and or witch burnings and or exorcisms you have like people know that that's part of culture whether you're religious or not so being able to have all that not having to have exposition to explain everything it's like you already have a long history built into your story built into your characters yeah definitely and and, and again going back to midnight mass like having even in such an insular um community having people of all different kinds of beliefs um it, it makes for a much deeper world building much deeper characters and that's why midnight mass is like all of his playing and stuff is great, but that's why a lot of people consider that, you know, his magnum opus. Like that's a lot of people like that the best because every character is nuanced. Every character has that story and has that history and are real to the viewer. Oh yeah. I think that Bly Manor is actually my favorite of his work so far. Um, it's also my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'm a, 
bit of an outlier on the Midnight Mass. I do like Midnight Mass, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, Bly Manor um, is the only one of his that has made me physically cry. So <laughs> <laughs> it t- it takes the win. <laughs> it, the, the, yeah, by default, that yeah, that's I I I'll admit, I think I think I've cried to all of them. <laughs> He's a except, good for, writer. except for Midnight Club. Except for Midnight Club. I didn't cry at that one. But um, I think they yeah. if if they got a second season, we might have cried. <laughs> oh yeah. Where, where he was going with that, that's brilliant stuff. But yeah, oh, yeah. I, I I think it had to have had a second season and then people would would have got it more, but alas. Yeah. It's unfortunate, but at least we got the fall of the house of Usher. So Yes. <laughs> we got that before he, he wisely chose to leave Netflix. Yeah. Um oh um I, you mentioned this earlier. You know, having a character with juxtaposed beliefs, like you like mm. you, you said you had that ultra religious zealot character. But who had the belief, you know, in, in equal rights with with, with with LGBT LGBT people? You know, it's like to have that kind of dichotomy in in a character, whether villain or hero. Um, I I think is I, I think that's a hallmark of, of a good character. Um, you know, it, it make because most people I know have those kind of beliefs. Like, yeah, I'm I'm. Like I, I'm a Democrat, but I, I I believe this, which is opposed to what Democrats believe. Or I'm I'm a Republican, and I actually believe this, which is opposed to Republicans. And most people, I think, once you get down to what they believe, especially with, with religion, they're. I think it's very hard to find two people that believe the same thing. Oh yeah, and I think it's a lot less polarized than people think it is. Absolutely. That's that's why I never talked religion or politics online is because I want to be talking to people face to face. Like I, like I want to get that nuance because you only really understand them. You can't really understand what they're saying completely you know, through Facebook or something. It's like, I want to get to know you, find yeah. out what you actually believe. On Facebook, you only get like a small sliver of who they are as a person. And that's going to not, not be enough to have a full conversation about what, you know, how you feel about something because uh, there is this place, I'm not sure where it's at, but it's a library, but you don't check out books. You can meet another person and have a discussion about that. Yes. I would love that. And I think every writer should do something like that because if we want to write nuanced characters, especially when we're talking about religion, then we need to introduce ourselves to nuanced people and I love the concept of having a library where you check out a person and you get to hear their life story. I, I would, I really wish we had some anywhere close to me because I would absolutely use that. Um, yeah, because especially when when you're doing research for for religion for a book you're writing, like especially a religion you're not familiar with, don't don't just go to Wikipedia and just look up the bullet points. You know, find somebody of that religion and talk to them find out what what they actually believe what they actually think and find out you know what they agree with and then some of the things that they don't agree with because everybody everybody has that yeah and research is a huge part of writing in general and i think that a lot of people need to recognize that 
what we learned in high school, in college about doing research is that first person, that first person point of view is the best source of reference that you can use. Oh, oh, absolutely. And especially like when I, when I was in college, you know, writing a research paper, you would have to use a first person resource. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason for that. It's because you get the most factually correct uh, data from it. And same thing with writing, you get what's most correct by those first person uh, sources, you know, go out, find that Catholic. If you can find a Catholic priest, even better, talk to them, find out what, what they think, what they believe. Um, right. And especially Catholics, you could just go into a Catholic church and talk to them. Oh, like, yeah. They will talk to you, especially if you're asking about the religion and everything like that. They, like, they will have a zero problem with you going in. And, and that's actually any church, as far as I'm aware. I'm, hmm. well, I'm trying to think of, of one that will have... Oh. There is one, uh, the Druze community, they don't like to talk about it. Like they might tell you the basics, but they don't like to really get into it. Um, so it might be harder. I was going but... to say Scientology is another one oh. that it's a little, you can't just walk into a Scientology place and be like, hey. No, I, 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 I know some Scientologists and just trying to talk to them about just their beliefs is, is difficult. Um, not impossible. But difficult. Yeah, definitely difficult. <laughs> but but still try. You know, if you're going to write about Scientologists, find one and talk to them. And you know, even what they don't say, you know, that's a good character quirk. You know, it's like I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that brings in that realism. Right. It it makes them a real person. Because uh, I, I love to talk about. You know, my religion the chance I, I get so you know if, yeah. if anybody needs a, a research on a mormon talk to me talk i have i've never met a, a mormon who couldn't sit there and talk about their religion for like <laughs> a good couple of hours <laughs> we are known for that <laughs> well 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 known <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um like my my current um book I'm, I'm writing that's still in the process but you know i'm trying to find somebody of you know cherokee descent descent talk about cherokee beliefs and religion and i really want to talk face to face with somebody but out in utah that's pretty rare so i'm gonna i'm gonna struggle finding that but i am i'm going to do it i'm gonna find someone i gotta do that face-to-face -face research i'm sure you'll come across somebody eventually Eventually, I'll, I'll put it out there. I know people who have who know other people, so I'll, I'll I will I'll, I'll get there. Yeah. But I'm not going to continue until I do. Now, I was thinking about one of the things that you wrote in your outline that you sent me. Is you said if you only write about a certain group in a negative way, it's bigotry. I really, really love that because a lot of people will not call it bigotry if you are dismissing and like being negative towards uh religious people at all like right. mm -hmm. that that's a really good point is that it's not you, you it's a prejudice it's a bigotry it's bigotry if you're going to be like that right um the, the author dan brown um i, I had to stop writing his, I, saw, I had to stop reading his books because i always knew who the villain was the villain was always the religious guy who was also a, a military veteran 
every story. Oh, the the villain. It's it's the veteran. You know, it's like so. I don't know what kind of biases he has, what kind of picture he has, but it comes across so easy. It actually makes the books unenjoyable for me because I know the ending. It's like, oh, yeah, the the Pope is a villain because he was a veteran at some point. So, yeah, there there's that spoils that. And, <laughs> I hope that doesn't spoil for anybody else. Book's been out for a few years. Sorry. But, uh, but yeah, it's a, like the... a five-year rule, right? It's like after five years, you can talk about it no matter what. If you haven't seen it, that's not my fault. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm safe then. Good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so so I, I just don't read his books anymore just because I, I, I know that I know who the villain is. I know the, the twist. And, 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 and like Stephen King, same thing. I, I love him. I love his books, but... The religious guy is always either going to be stupid or the villain. Yeah. And it is to be expected. Yeah. It and is. It is. It's unfortunate, but... He makes up for it in other places. He's a good writer. Recently, um, and I talk about this a lot, and because it's one of my favorite books that I've read this year, I read this uh, horror comedy called The Ghost Punch. And the diversity in... The book is fabulous. Um, so the, the book's about a girl who can punch ghosts. Uh, <laughs> Love it. It's fantastic. It's a series. The third book's supposed to come out next year. I'm very excited for it. Uh, but there's a lot of diversity in it to the point where, like, there's people who practice witchcraft and, well, witches are real in this world. Mm-hmm. But, like, they also have, like, your very, you know, crystal girl type thing. And... <laughs> um there's non-binary characters there's and religion is in there but it's not like highlighted like you can tell that somebody's of a different religious belief but it's not highlighted and believe it or not that's also an ex-mormon who wrote that as well ah Hmm. i'm starting to see a trend yeah it it, it does help like Apparently, seventy-five percent of all authors are Mormons, but in some, as some, whatever flavor, Mormon, ex-Mormon, 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 in between. It's like the church breeds writers. I mean, we're, we're us Mormons. We're 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 a big group of nerds. We read a lot. There is a lot of reading going on. I mean, <laughs> they did make us go to seminary every week. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of reading, and, and even 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 in in despite of that, a lot of us still enjoy reading. Yeah, surprisingly so. <laughs> surprisingly, we made it through, but we still enjoy reading. And people who read, for a lot of times, end up writing. Yeah. Uh, so, what are like? some of the ways that my listeners can find you online um my my facebook page uh just it's just josh hill um i have i just started an instagram account um now keep in mind i am super technologically illiterate but i managed to start an instagram account. it's a josh hill author super easy even i can remember that um and i have the worst memory in the world um and i i'll be starting a TikTok later on, but for now, Facebook and Instagram are the main ones to get to get a hold. Good luck with TikTok. I cannot get my <laughs> finger wrapped around it. Uh, oh. And so, expecting Forever Fields coming out this March, right? To twenty twenty four. Yeah, yes. that's exciting. 
And is there any parting words you'd like to impart upon our listeners before before we end this episode? Um, do your research, get to know people, and as you do, you'll learn to love them. There you go. And one last question before I let you go. Yes. What was your favorite scary movie this year? Oh, that came out this year? Mm. Or that you watched this year? That, that's a tough one, because uh, I watched so many. Oh, oh, I have the name of it. I shoot, Give me one second, and I'll have an answer. Um, it, it's a horror movie, and it all takes place underwater. They're exploring this underwater house. Oh, wow. I really wish I knew. But I, like I said, I don't have a memory. I don't remember names. But I can find it here really quick. Oh, The Deep House. Ah. Yes. And the that Deep came... House terrified me. It, it came out, I think, a couple years ago. But I only it saw it. came out in 2021. I have not seen it yet. Um, let's see. I'm going to look where you can stream it at. So if anybody wants to see it, it is it's on, on, it's on Prime Video. Yep, it's yeah, on Prime Amazon. Video. Yeah, All right. it, it is so claustrophobic and so creepy. I I I loved it. It was a huge surprise for me. I highly recommend it. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. I've had a wonderful time with you this evening. And just thank you. It's been great. Oh yeah, no, I, I really appreciate this. I as you can tell, I just love talking and this is a it's a topic near and dear to my heart so yeah i can talk i can keep going (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you so much that was author josh hill from wicked house publishing thank you so much josh and everybody have a great night you've been listening to cat scratch radio a horror podcast with your host carmilla mays also known as matu c lawrence if you want to find me on social media just look up mx carmilla